0: Hey, it's Dr. John Terry, the Black Belt Leader, and welcome to this Black Belt Leadership Master Your Life moment. Today, I want to talk about the gratitude effect, opening the door to endless opportunities through living a life of thankfulness. You know, when we think about gratitude, how do you define it? Simply put, gratitude is being appreciative or thankful. Now, I've learned over the years there's great power in gratitude, and it drives my life every day. But sadly, we live in a world that is becoming increasingly ungrateful. It's selfish. It's resentful. Look in their media. Look at our politicians today. and What are they doing? They're continually seeking to divide people among ethnic, racial, or socioeconomic lines. They divide people by color or creed. One group is privileged. Another is not. One group is marginalized. Another is not. We're all being taught, at least in the minds of the media, the politicians, and the elitist, to view the world through a very narrow prism, focusing on what we have and the differences that divide us, rather than being grateful for what we have and the things that unite us. It's time for this nonsense to stop. And it's time to start being grateful for what we have. Because when we live ungrateful lives, we view the world as half empty. We focus on what's missing, what's lacking, or just out of reach, rather than the endless opportunities that are always before us. You know, I've been privileged to travel across the United States over the years, and I've also had the opportunity to travel to Guatemala, to St. Lucia, to Zambia, to Cameroon, and to South Africa. I've been in villages where even in 2023, they don't have clean drinking water. The bellies of children are bloated and swollen from the parasites they ingest every time They take a drink of water. People live in makeshift homes often made from thatch or straw, maybe from discarded pallets or a piece of tin serving as a roof. Others simply live in a hut woven from native plants. They sleep on the floor or perhaps a mat woven from plants or if they're lucky something that's been woven cotton wool or some other fabric. No television, no radio, no cell phone, no central heat and air no Walmart, no Target, no Kroger, no Crossco. But we as Americans complain because our internet's too slow. Our smartphone is two generations removed from being the newest and the bestest model around. We complain because it's costing more to fill our gas tanks or buy food at the grocery store when many people living in these villages and other parts of the world don't even own a vehicle. There is no grocery store to buy food. Everyone walks because there are no vehicles. Food is grown and it is often scarce. Now, in these places around the world, and there's many of them, disease is commonplace. People there die of treatable conditions, infections. They suffer as a result of an injury that healed improperly, if at all, simply because there are no medical clinics. There is no doctor. There are no hospitals, often for hundreds of miles. Now, even those in the poorest areas in America have it better than the people in these small rural villages in other parts of the world. But when I go and I visit these places, one of the common things I see is gratefulness. It's an appreciation for me just being there, just showing up and showing interest in them, spending life with these individuals and letting them know they valued and they are appreciated and that they matter. I recall a recent trip to Guatemala. I and a group of people I had taken with me were going to and stoves in the homes of several families that lived in a remote village high up in the mountains. We traveled in the back of a cattle truck for nearly four hours, winding our way up the mountain on a perilous dirt road. And when we finally arrived at the village, a handful of adults were there to meet us and a few very small children. I walked out into the middle of a field near a block structure that served as a schoolhouse with a brand new soccer ball in my hand. I held that ball high in the air and I yelled, go, as loud and as long as I could. From the jungle surrounding the village, the heads of school-aged children began to poke out to see what was happening. They heard the truck coming and they ran into the woods to hide, not knowing what was coming to them. I once again shouted, go, and held that soccer ball up in the hand and dozens of children scrambled from the jungle and ran out into this field. It was playtime. Now I'm here to tell you, we played soccer at 12,000 feet elevation. It's not an easy task when you don't live at 12,000 feet. But we played for hours with these kids and we didn't speak the same language. And at times there wasn't an interpreter, but it didn't matter. They were there enjoying the moment. They were grateful to have someone to play with, someone who took the time to bring some joy, some fun, and yes, some new soccer balls into their lives. We laughed, we ran, we smiled, no one kept score. We just had fun. Now, the very next morning, we ventured into the jungle with teams to install stoves in several of the homes in this village. Now, these were makeshift homes made from pallets, scrap lumber, And 10 for a roof. That was kind of the norm. Many of these homes were single rooms, about 14 by 14, often sleeping as many as six to eight people because grandparents, parents, and children all lived together. Furniture in these makeshift homes, if any, was sparse. Beds were often nothing more than a simple blanket lying on a dirt floor. No pillows, no electricity, no ceiling fans, no running water. And often a door was nothing more than a blanket or a sheet for privacy. The dirt floors and the walls were covered with black soot from the fire that burned on the floor in the middle of where everyone lived life together. This fire served as a place to cook and to prepare food, but also to keep them warm at night. Now in this village, respiratory problems were commonplace because these families had been breathing soot for years, some for decades. Now we were there to install a very simple concrete block stove with a steel box sitting on the top that served as both a place to put the wood for the fire and a flat top surface that these individuals could be used for cooking. And as that metal would heat, it would warm the house and also provide a safe place for the house to be warmed without fear or worry of the kids falling into the fire and burning themselves. Now, to vent the smoke and the soot out of the house, we would attach a piece of aluminum pipe to the back of these steel boxes to vent the smoke up through a hole that we would cut in the roof of their house, attach a flashing to keep the rain out, and we'd put a rain cap on top of the pipe for the same reason. Now, what do we receive in exchange for these services for installing these stoves in the homes? nothing but gratitude. These families living in poverty, they were so grateful for a simple kindness shown. Many wept and cried, even as they smiled, knowing that their children, for the very first time, would be able to sleep in a home and stay warm without having to breathe dangerous soot any longer. Others in some of the houses that we did, they hugged us. They shook our hands they patted us on the back, they sang songs, and in their own way, they expressed gratitude to every one of us for this gesture of installing a stove in their home. Now, one instance to me in particular really stands out. As we installed a stove in one home, the father of his home gestured for us to come outside out behind his house. He took us there to his garden, a sparse plot of land where he was growing watermelons. Now, these watermelons to him were a prized possession because as our interpreter would tell us, he would sell these melons in the market to make a little bit of money for his family. And yet he insisted because of the act of kindness that we had done that he wanted to reciprocate in some way. With his machete, he carved up one of the biggest watermelons I'd ever seen and divided it up and we all began to eat watermelon. He also produced a bottle of Coke an old bottle of Coke, that he had been saving for a special occasion, and he opened the seal to the wide-eyed amazement of his children. So think about it. We're sitting in the jungle at 12,000 feet elevation, eating watermelon and drinking Coke with a family that speaks another language, the language of Pokomchi. It was the very first time that this father's four kids had ever tasted Coke. Our interpreter explained to us that having a Coke in the home was a rarity because this was considered a luxury item, something they couldn't afford because it was buy Coke or buy something to feed their family. And for a family to share such an expensive item with us, at least expensive in their eyes, it was the ultimate sign of respect and appreciation. Now, to this family, I would liken it to a champagne celebration for the gift of life that had been given to their children. To those of us that installed that stove, it was a humbling demonstration of what it meant to be truly grateful. Now, the next morning I awoke early from sleeping on the concrete floor of the building that also served as a schoolhouse. It doubled as our sleeping quarters while we were there. And I walked out onto the porch as the sun was slowly rising in the east. As the first rays of sunlight hit the jungle canopy in the distance, I began to witness small plumes of smoke slowly rising into the sky. At first I didn't know what to make of it. And then I realized this was the first night in decades these families had been able to sleep peacefully and comfortably throughout the night without having to inhale dangerous smoke, soot and ash into their lungs. This represented life to the people of this village. I awakened the rest of the team that was with me and I drugged them out onto the porch and I pointed off into the distance as we sat and we watched the smoke continue to rise from where these villages were nestled in the jungle itself. With tears in our eyes, we experienced gratefulness in our own way, realizing we had the opportunity to give something to these people they could never afford to provide to their families on their own. But here in America, what do we do? We complain when our fast food is too slow or it's too cold when it arrives. If we have to wait 20 minutes to be seated at the steakhouse or the service is too slow because the restaurant is short-staffed because nobody sees the value in work and nobody wants to work because everybody believes they're entitled to a living wage simply because we live here in America, it shouldn't be that way, but sadly it is. We take for granted that we have air conditioning in the summer, that we've got heat in the winter, We've got an indoor toilet that actually flushes and removes the waste from our home. We have an indoor shower that actually has hot and cold running water. We stress over which pair of shirt or which pair of pants we're going to wear to a party when much of the world simply puts on the few clothes they do have and they're grateful to have them. You know, my daughter Jessie tells of her own gratitude story when she traveled to Cameroon to work with autistic and developmentally disabled children. While she was there, she witnessed a nonverbal child she'd been working with actually speak for the very first time. Another child who'd been unable to walk from birth stood on his two legs for the very first time as she was there working in this special needs school. Jesse recalls the appreciation shown by the children, by their parents, for the toys provided, but more importantly, her simply traveling from America to Africa to let these families and these young children know that they were valued, that they were appreciated, and that their lives matter. Gratitude. By definition, it's the quality of being thankful. It's a readiness to show appreciation. It's a desire to acknowledge and to return a kindness shown. It's the antithesis of grumbling and complaining, and it's woefully missing here in America and in many parts of the civilized world. Tony Robbins says, where our focus goes, energy flows. And I agree with Tony's statements because what we focus on expands within our thinking and it attracts more of that into our lives. What we need here in the United States and in the rest of the civilized world is less divisiveness and more gratefulness. If we want less divisiveness, gratefulness is the cure. When we approach each day, thinking about what we're grateful for, it opens the doors to endless opportunity. Now it starts with you and it starts with me. And here's my question. Do you need some help with that? If so, let me recommend an amazing book I just finished reading by John Kralik. The book is called A Simple Act of Gratitude, How Learning to Say Thank You Changed My Life. That book, A Simple Act of Gratitude, is available on amazon.com. So my challenge to you is this. What are you going to do starting today to be more grateful? One of the things John talks about in his book is every day he made it a point to find someone he could write a thank you note to to express gratitude and thankfulness for something they had done to change his life or to impact him in some way. Over the course of a little over a year, John wrote 365 thank you notes and it literally changed his life. I wanna challenge you to consider taking the 365 day gratitude challenge. Every day, find someone that you can write a thank you note to. Now, John did his, and he talks about it in his book, on a three by five index card. Very short, very poignant, but just a way to say thank you. Maybe for you, it's a postcard, but a handwritten thank you note, not an email, not a phone call, but a handwritten note that shows you've taken some time to express what you care. And you can hand that to the person or you can actually go old school and put it in the mailbox and mail it to them. It will change their lives, and it will change yours. So my challenge to you is to put the gratitude effect in your life and look for opportunities and every opportunity to be grateful, to say thank you, not just for the big things, but for the little things that we do every single day that others pour into our lives and make our lives better just for being there. It will change your life for the better, and you will attract more endless opportunities into your life when you practice the gratitude effect. I'm Dr. John Terry, the Black Belt Leader. Thanks for joining me. Have a great day.